Hello and welcome to episode 14 of the Grumpy Collector Podcast. I'm your host, Troy McHenry, an incurable collector of all things. On this episode, I'm going to share my experience of attending all the watch events around what myself and others dubbed New York Watch Week uh, that took place uh, in October. This was the first trifecta of Watch Time New York City, Worn and Wound's wind-up watch fair, and Red Bar's global watch meetup. We'll discuss what watches or watch do you bring, how do you work through the planning and logistics, highlights of each event, and finally, what regrets or things would I've done differently? The show notes will include a few links to the various events. Remember, you can always find these show notes and more at thegrumpycollector.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to the show on your streaming platform of choice and give us a five-star review. It really does make a difference. And without further ado, yeah, your life just got better. First, let me begin by saying, you know, this podcast, we really do try to avoid FOMO, you know, that fear of missing out. And um, I really hope this episode is, doesn't induce that in, in too many uh, listeners. If anything, I just hope it encourages you um, to, to come out for the, the next one. You know, watch collecting can be a very solitary hobby, but what has kept me in it has not been the watches at all. It's been the people I've met through watches, you know, from um, our Red Bar Raleigh uh, Watch Club. And previous to that, there's a Cary Watch Club here in North Carolina that's that's great too. And to like the, the global people I've met through Red Bar. And then doing these events um, in New York that I did uh, last month was just, it was so great. And again, it was just, it was because of the people, you know, watch people are some of my favorite people and uh, they've become some of my very closest friends as well. Um, and that's really what keeps me in the hobby. So again, hopefully this doesn't um, create too much FOMO. Instead, let's think of it as YOLO. You only live once. So, And hopefully this encourages you if you've been on the fence about attending some of these big events to, um, to maybe uh, try to do it next year. Also, I'll be the first to admit it can be um, a big expense. You know, the registration fees uh, for Red Bar Global and watch time, you know, they're not insignificant. But, you know, if you plan ahead, it's not um, a, a terrible burden either. Wind up watch fair is entirely free. So uh, that's really cool. But really, I enjoyed uh, all the events. But first, uh, I guess we should do wrist check. Uh, what's on my wrist right now is actually my... Brigade Classique, this uh, beautiful white enamel dial. I just took a really fun uh, picture of it that I posted on Instagram. Find me at the Grumpy Collector. But you know, and even though I'm wearing that watch today, the watch I've been wearing the most this probably in the last week or two has been a Tissot uh, Quartz PRX, which may be surprising to, to some of you. But it, I bought it from IFL Watches. I saw on Instagram they were doing a series of about 100 in the silver dial and 100 in the blue dial. I have the silver dial. Uh, but the, uh, the dial artist was customizing them with his kind of trademark splatter dials. So I love that, was, you know, each one's different and unique and it wasn't um, very expensive. And I think about my watch collection and I, you know, I have enough watches where um, a lot of them are manual wind, a lot are automatic wind, and I don't use a watch winder. Maybe we'll do an episode about that someday. But uh, because of that, you know, sometimes I'm just in a hurry. I just, 
not that I have watch fatigue, but I'm just like, you know, I just want to put a watch on and not think about it. I need it for the day, but maybe I'm I'm in a hurry running somewhere. And so I don't really have the time to wind the watch and set the time or set the date. It's sometimes too much. That's that's honestly also why I probably really like watches with no date, uh, because it just simplifies the whole uh, watch setting process. I, I am absolutely one of those people where the date has to be correct. I can't wear a watch throughout the day and have the date wrong. I it just I just can't. It would just drive me nuts. Um, I know lots of watch collectors who who can and like they're like, hey, as long as the time is fine, like I'm I'm good with whatever else. I don't I don't care. I just can't do that. I mean, I have my uh, my Doxa, you know, sub two hundred T graph, which is a has an old Vaju uh, seventy two manual wind movement. It doesn't have a quick set date. And so sometimes when I want to wear that watch, because it's a killer orange watch, but I'll pick it up. And if the date's like too far off when from when it is today, I just put it back in the watch box. It's like, I don't have time to uh, to do that. So because of that, I really do like having a few quartz watches. You know, my go-to sometimes is I just run and grab a G-Shock and go. And this uh, Tissot that I, PRX that I got is quartz as well. And so it's just, and it's, of course, it's super accurate. And it, honestly, this is really my first time spending time with them. It absolutely hits above its belt. You know, I think the retail on a regular Tissot PRX is $300, $350. And I'm telling you, the case and the bracelet are just as good as like watches that would cost 10 times that. Super, super impressed with, with the watch. It wears great. It's nice and thin. And again, you can just kind of um, pop it on and go. Uh, Deluxe has been creating, again, we're not sponsored by Deluxe, but I'm just a fan of what they do uh, in the watch strap game. Uh, they have some customized uh, leather straps. I have one on order um, and they're actually doing like a, some Black Friday stuff right now. I'm recording this on Tuesday, November 22nd, uh, this episode. And then um, they've also created some custom rubber straps for the uh, Tissot PRX. I'm really excited to see what those might look like. I may have to get one or two and um, mix them up. I think I think that'd be a lot of fun. Kind of the the latest on uh, what's been on my wrist for maybe the, the last month or so. Jumping into our main topic today, when I first heard about the Red Bar Global Meetup happening in New York City, I was pretty excited about it. And then when I realized it was taking place right before watch time new york city's event and then also uh, you know just before wind ups uh wind up new york city you know done by um, warren and wound i was just like man the stars have aligned and i felt like okay this is worth you know the juice is worth the squeeze is is uh as we say in that okay there's three events three big events i should be a, a ton of fun i've always wanted to go to a wind up as well i've actually been to some of the watch time New York City events years ago, long before COVID. I used to meet a bunch of buddies up there. And, you know, I would eat my way through the, the city and then um, attend um, uh, watch time New York City. And back then it was such a smaller event. And it was, I can remember when it was a sit down dinner on Friday night or Saturday night, I can't remember now. And Joe Thompson, who was the editor at the time, would do like a PowerPoint of like pictures from Geneva and just talk about the trends and themes that he saw there. And then he would highlight a few different watches. And then everyone got a gift bag uh, to go. It's a lot of fun stuff. I remember there being a lot of, um, I have a killer uh, Audemars Piguet hat when they used to attend that event. They don't any longer. 
which is a shame. I just remember having such fond memories of that. And then now to see that event also include a Saturday and Sunday with panel discussions, and you can visit the brands all day. That was super exciting. And then to see it with wind up and with red bar, it was just, it was too good to pass up. And so I immediately started planning and I knew, you know, the first event to sell out is probably going to be that cocktail event on Friday night with watch time, New York city. So I went ahead and, uh, ordered my ticket for that, ordered uh, my tickets for Red Bar Global. I even got the Saturday and Sunday tickets for Watch Time New York City, just so if I wanted to pop in either of those days on the weekend to follow up with brands or whatever, I would have that option. And then what was really great is I noticed Red Bar was doing um, some kind of like watch making 101 classes with the Horological Society of New York. And they were doing them, I think, um, maybe Thursday night or Friday night and then, uh, excuse me, Wednesday night or Thursday night or then uh, Friday morning. And so I signed up for the Friday morning, which I thought was great. You know, when you have this many events, and this is over a short period of time, the first Red Bar registration started that Wednesday, October 19th. And then there was multiple events, you know, kind of like Wednesday night, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's a lot to keep straight. So the first thing I did is, I created a, a Google sheet, you know, something in the cloud that I could always get to. And, you know, I used to do this when I would go up to New York and I would just have sometimes the days going across and then I'd have all the hours. And so I could kind of figure out, okay, what am I doing each morning? What am I doing each afternoon? And then for me, maybe because I'm crazy, I'm always thinking about where's my meal? <laughs> you know, where, where am I? It always comes back to food. Where am I going to eat? And try it because you know that's the other thing is when you're in New York, there's such amazing restaurants. Like ideally, you need to take advantage of that. You know, figure out what's that really cool restaurant or that restaurant you saw on, I don't know, it could be Chef's Table on Netflix or maybe you read about it in Eater, uh, and you're like, oh, I want to make sure and, and get that that reservation right. Well, in, in a lot of those cases, like you've got to plan a month or two out. You know, if you want to eat at a, a Tonics, like that's gonna. Uh, that can be a tough table to get. Um, you know, anything with a Michelin star in New York City can be a tough putt, especially if it's um, uh, two or three stars. I always like to just graph it out. You know, I used to do it in paper. Now I do it in kind of a Google Sheet, which is really just um, think of it as like a cloud version of Excel. Also, we had so many um, people from our Red Bar chapter, which was fantastic, that wanted to come too. And so, um, you know, we created a couple columns for others. And uh, so we could just kind of see, okay, what are all the different things we're all doing or want to do? And so we could kind of see where everyone was. You know, I even included my, you know, flights because I need, was really curious too. Like, okay, how am I flying in? Where do I fly in? When am I flying out? The other thing is when you're going to New York, you also have to figure out like which airport do you want to go into? You know, some people even fly into like uh, Newark. Most people fly into either JFK or LaGuardia. I always like LaGuardia, plus they have the new terminal now. It's a little bit of a smaller airport than JFK. You know, the downside with LaGuardia is there's no, like, easy public transportation to get you from the airport to uh, to Midtown, to Manhattan. But, but honestly, I'm totally fine doing a taxi or uh, an Uber. I, I Ubered out of there. And literally, you know, I, I got my bags and waited one minute, and then the Uber was there. And, you know, it's a short drive. Um, that's absolutely my preference. I prefer smaller airports if I can make it work. Again, that's just me. And then uh, Wednesday, October 9th, 19th, we had Red Bar 
check-in and that was from 3 to 7 p.m and what was great is where's the check-in taking place at uh, james lambden's uh, analog shift you know the place that's typically appointment only if you were doing the red bar events you were able just to kind of show up you were on a list and you took the elevator upstairs to his um store and what a fantastic way to start off the next couple of days i mean by the time i got there i didn't get into about 4 30 and by the time then you know i took the uber and then checked in at the hotel uh i was right by a grand central uh station and then got up to analog shift and i got there towards the tail end of registration but regardless what an amazing um space that james and his team have created there i mean it's there was sofas and um, a couple private rooms and a huge bar um you know james was behind the bar serving uh, whiskey and i had a a draft cocktail highball which was great and the place is full of vintage ads and of course they have the most amazing selection of vintage watches just um, a really really neat experience uh, Red Bar really had a fantastic little um, tote bag with a lot of little goodies in it. So already you're you're feeling pretty good about it. And then from there, uh, Red Bar had a, a cocktail party that night on Wednesday from uh, 7 to 9. And that was at this um, kind of like an Irish or, excuse me, English pub. Great. They had Guinness on draft. I can't remember what I was drinking that night. It wasn't Guinness. It was... Um, Oh, it was, uh, sorry, I, I get excited when I think about this. They had Carlsberg. It's like, when was the last time you saw Carlsberg on draft? I remember drinking it quite a bit when I was in uh, Scandinavia years ago in college. And uh, I was just like, oh, this is so cool. That was a lot of fun. And, you know, the people I met at that initial kind of kickoff cocktail party was great. That was the first time I saw uh, Adam Moore, the, the fairly famous uh, watch photographer, and Oris uh, and Wax Insurance were the two kind of sponsoring the event. So I, I had a great conversation with someone from Wax and then uh, met for the first time uh, Rolf, who's the uh, CEO of uh, Oris Watches. And of course, uh, VJ was there, the North American uh, CEO. And it was just uh, such a fun, fun event. It was packed. Great way to meet a lot of Red Bar people across really the, the globe. Met quite a few from the, the Austin chapter in texas they were super nice so it was just really casual tons of fun and then after that uh, one of our friends had booked a reservation at the carnegie club uh, which is a big uh, cigar bar and so we uh, headed there and um, ended the night with uh, cigars and uh, cocktails and whiskey you felt pretty decadent for that being a um, you know a wednesday night thursday october 20th the event that Red Bar had set up, you know, and I didn't have really high hopes for this, honestly, because I just didn't know what to expect. And I'll tell you up front, this probably was the highlight for me, but it was uh, what they call like watch boutique walks. And so they broke us up um, alphabetically and you started at, you know, 10 a.m. and you say, okay, at 10 a.m. you're going to be at this watch boutique and then you'll spend maybe 30 minutes at it and then you'll walk to the next one and then the next one the next one you'll take a break for uh, lunch and then you'll you'll hit some more <laughs> it was so much fun um, you know we started our morning at Brigay 
which was, you know, they have a beautiful uh, boutique there and they served us a little whiskey. We, you're like, man, it's a Thursday at 10 a.m. and I'm already having um, a taste of whiskey. How's this day going to go? Uh, but they were extremely nice. I actually bought, um, that's probably why I've been wearing my Brigade more too. While I was there, I bought a strap uh, from them for my uh, my watch and it's this beautiful matte blue strap. I wouldn't call it like a royal blue. It's darker than that, but it's it's not a super dark blue either. So, I, I mean, I guess you'd call it navy, but I'd call it maybe just, uh, just a hair lighter than navy. <laughs> Funny enough, I was wearing uh, my Brigade actually on a different strap, a Houdinki strap that I really like. Um, the color's called Willow. It's like this mauve pinkish color. But I was using the Houdinki uh, buckle with it, and I had left my Brigade buckle at home. Well... You know, they tried their best to try to put that Houdinki buckle on it, but it was just not going to look good. Um, they offered to, to sell me another buckle, <laughs> but the, the buckles are so expensive. I was just like, oh, you know what, just uh, give me the strap. And uh, when I get home, I'll, I'll put it on the Brigade buckle myself. We, uh, we did that and that worked out. Uh, but they could not have been nicer. They also gave me a catalog. For those who aren't aware, as if I don't collect enough things, I love watch brand hats i'll just put this out as a psa there's a few watch brands i still don't have i would love to have i don't know if one exists for paddock philippe i would love to have a paddock philippe baseball cap and then no surprise the other one i really would love to have is a um Jaja baseball hat still still don't have one of those and huge shout out to um, my friend uh, uh, dalton he got me a glashuta original hat uh, another one i've been wanting for a long time so over the moon about getting that one uh, this um, uh, past weekend. So thank you, Dalton, for that. Really appreciate it. Um, and a matter of fact, as an aside, while I was there, I was kind of keeping a, an internal tally of how many uh, watch hats I picked up. So I picked up the Brigade. Uh, Red Bar gave us a, a Breitling hat. And then uh, when I was at uh, Bremont, uh, I got a hat there too. So I picked up uh, three hats. Yeah. So it's, it's been, it's been good. I'm gonna have to redo my, my hat wall. Uh, again, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, there's a couple pictures on Instagram. If you scroll through my, my feed there. So we did Brigade. That was great. And then we went upstairs because right, you know, Brigade is owned by a Swatch group. And then upstairs from them is another Swatch group brand, Blanc Pond. And Again, an amazing space. You know, when you walk in, they have this big, like, um, double-story um, foyer. And uh, they have this huge uh, Murano glass uh, chandelier. Really gorgeous. And you go upstairs and literally a uh, big bar in the back. And it's just cool. Like, how they do and balance, like, luxury with, you know, Blanc Pond has such a tradition with the oceans and, and seas and exploration and how they kind of mixed all of that together and made it a very welcoming space was great. <laughs> we did champagne up there. So uh, again, this is like 10, 30, 11 in the morning. I'm like, wow, this is on a, on a Thursday. This is pretty great. That was an amazing. After Blanc Pond, we actually had uh, a break where we could go to lunch. And so uh, we found this hole in the wall burger place. And I apologize. I totally forget the name, but it was packed it was really almost like a speakeasy you had to like go into this lobby of this building and then go behind this curtain and then all of a sudden it was this crazy hole in the wall burger place teeny tiny packed um amazingly though we were able to immediately find a seat for um i think there was like five of us that had decided to eat there 
and, and had a great time having a burger there. After lunch, we went to my favorite place, uh, JLC, their boutique. Um, I will say, though, out of all the boutiques we went to, it was by far the most long in the tooth, meaning it, it just looked a little dated. Uh, it just looked a little tired looking. It's been there for a while. And actually, I can say this because JLC is totally revamping that whole boutique next to them because, you know, JLC is part of the Richmond group. Uh, next to it is Panerai, another Richmond group brand. And Panerai is actually moving across the street. And so the JLC one is going to expand and be redone. Um, so they're closing the existing one shortly to do that. And that's also why if you've been watching social media, they're kind of creating a uh, like a little like cafe, 1931 cafe, I think they're calling it. Um, temporarily, uh, they're going to be operating out of maybe that and another location uh, while the boutique undergoes um, a really big uh, renovation. But it really made me great um, going there. Uh, Sheila was still uh, there, the uh, manager of that store, um, who had helped me with my reverse of Squadra years ago with some stuff getting a strap and some screws and things. The staff couldn't have been nicer. And, you know, what really made the experience of these like curated, you know, watch boutique walks was really two things. One was uh, Adam was in our uh, group. And so at every boutique, they would bring out the best watches for him to photograph. So we're at JLC and they bring out one of those crazy, super grand, three-sided reverso complications you know one of like the what are they called the um you think i would know this right uh, like one of the gyro tourbillons what do they call it? like hybris mechana or something like that anyways uh, i got to hold one of those you know probably um the watch has got to be well north of half a million dollars uh, <laughs> it was just massive i absolutely loved it though it's definitely a watch, you know, if you win the lottery, you're like, oh, I got to have that on my wrist, though. I, it's so big, you'd probably almost want to turn into a pendant or a pocket watch instead, which would be a great flex anyways. We had a great time at JLC. The, the other thing, besides our group having Adam Moore, which, again, was great because we got to see a lot of cool things up front. And you also just got to see, like, how does someone take such amazing pictures of watches? So that was a really unique uh, learning experience. Um, but the other thing that made the event so great was our uh, guide you know every group who was going to all these different boutiques we all had to kind of have a tour guide a local to you know keep us together and navigate us and do introductions and things and ours was a gentleman named uh, hamilton and he could not have been nicer what made hamilton be such a great kind of like tour guide for us is one when we went in every boutique like they already knew him by name very positive like the room kind of lit up really really into watches a uh, matter of fact when we first met the day before wednesday at the kind of red bar global meetup uh, kickoff at that english pub uh, he was wearing this crazy watch uh, that had donald trump on it and the hands were his hair that would spin around and for the hair to really line up with his head which was in the bottom right of the dial um, the time needed to be like 7.15 p.m., so it was pretty uh, comical. After lunch, yeah, we went to uh, JLC. I already talked a little bit about uh, that experience. 
Uh, the other thing though was uh, I did get to try on a two of those boutique only edition watches. One being the green dial Polaris, which really is stunning. Uh, that dial is just something else. That might be my new favorite green dial watch. Period. Um, and then they also have a little blue dial. I want to say it's a memo box, maybe. Um, stunning too. You know, I'm such a sucker for gradient dials or ombre dials or fumé dials. What do you want to call it? That's um, totally in my wheelhouse, and I love that. You know, Moser really, I think, helped kick off that trend here as a late, even though you know it goes back long into the uh, '70s, especially um, when you think about Zenith had some really pretty uh, dials back then, and actually so did Tag Heuer. Uh, and now more more recently, you see Moser doing that. You see Oris doing that. But I think uh, JLC is doing a really good job um, as well. Oh, and of course, my uh, Glashuta Original has a, a really pretty Fumé dial. After that, we look across the street from the JLC Boutique. And what do we see? The new Hermes Boutique. And it's so cool because it looks like two brick townhomes, but they are just immaculate, you know, like red brick, mortars perfectly pointed uh, stairs or uh, I think like stone or marble and it's all new you know it's been uh, totally redone and they have like separate entrances for the men and women um, you know because it sounds like two townhomes stuck together Hamilton our, our guide was like oh yeah I know those guys really well he's actually you know that day was wearing a, a pair of um, Hermes uh, sneakers he's like oh you guys want to go and I was like heck yeah that sounds great and and you know the timing couldn't have been more perfect because just, I think the day before, Hermes had released a new watch that you could only get at the New York City Boutique. Uh, and it had some yellow accents, and you could get either with a gray strap or a yellow strap. And you can only buy it at the uh, New York City uh, Boutique. I think this was on Madison Avenue. Uh, and so we go there, and we walk up to like the third floor, and of course, maybe the second. You know, it's just gorgeous. Everything just looked perfect. The floors were um, either wood or stone, uh, excuse me, or marble. And then like the staircase was all white marble. I'll never forget that. Just looked really, really nice. And they had the watch. So I actually got to try it on because at first I was thinking, oh, this would be such a cool souvenir of this week. You know, a watch you can only get in New York City. It has the yellow accents to kind of highlight, you know, the famous and iconic New York City taxi cabs. Uh, and that watch, I think it's like H08, you know, typically in steel is maybe a $4,000 watch, which, you know, is, um, maybe doable. Uh, but these limited editions, I think were the ones with the, have that other, um, metal and, um, the prices were just, uh, unfortunately too high for kind of a, um, impulse purchase. I think they were asking between seven or $8,000, but boy, did they look sharp. I definitely tried it on. I think I'm sure I have a wrist shot. I hope, uh, somewhere, maybe I'll post it with, uh, a couple other pictures from uh, New York here again on uh, Instagram. Uh, but that was a lot of fun. And then after Hermes, we walked to Vacheron, uh, Constantin. And, you know, they have a new, newish, I should say, boutique. And it's beautiful. I want to say it's two or three floors. Has this really big kind of like double floor glass windows. And, you know, kind of highlights the... Maltese uh, cross, which is, you know, one of their iconic logos. Think of it as like the little logo you see in the bottom right of a 222. And we go in and, and Stephen is there who um, works there. And, uh, the, you know, they walk us through the, the history and they have so many 
cool interactive displays, which is what I really liked uh, there. It, you know, beautiful, inviting space. And they really do a, a really good job, too, of curating it that they rotate the art in there. So it's almost like a mini art gallery, too, which uh, I think it changed changes maybe quarterly, I think is what uh, they told us. And then we go upstairs and upstairs they have some places where you could even try your hand at like perlage, you know, the the circles and metal that some watch movements have. You can try your hand at, at doing perlage and they also have where you can see all the different options when you want to order a, a custom strap, you know, pick the stitching, pick the material, pick the color. And they have like a little conference room where they do maybe um, meetings or um, presentations in the little bar area. And then they have this area where they also have like the watchmaker who's on staff there and then they have a little like curved display case and they had just gotten in some pieces not for someone because we were able to handle them so they weren't already spoken for they were just almost like um press models that were going to be um, going around and they just happened to be there for a couple of days so i got to try on the new yellow gold 222 that was uh, announced earlier this year and it was stunning i was telling someone this too there was not another watch all week I saw where it looked so good on everyone's wrists, you know, because it's an integrated bracelet. I really, and, um, but the dial size is small and I really thought it would not wear well on my wrist because I have um, pretty big wrists and it looked great, which is uh, kind of a travesty uh, because now that watch is, you know, you start thinking about it. And of course it's a total, budget buster um i think it's uh, asking prices uh somewhere between 60 and seventy thousand dollars and also it's like there's a huge demand for the watch but uh i lived up to the hype i mean it was incredibly well finished extremely thin uh hugs the wrist great and it really looks good on every wrist because you know there's really no case and lugs and strap because it's all integrated it just looks like almost like a, a gold bracelet you wear uh, but then it has this, you know, it tells the time in the no uh, seconds hand, you know, just hours and minutes. So it makes you think of like a Royal Oak Jumbo, um, just in incredibly clean, um, just really, really uh, uh, liked that watch a lot. And it was rare that everyone who tried it on was like, man, this looks perfect. You know, the diameter size is 37. So that is not a big watch. I don't think I have anything in my collection under 39 or 40 at this point. You know, that boutique is beautiful too. Small, really well done. Of course, they have an ejection seat right in the front window, which is pretty cool because, you know, they sell those watches uh, in honor of those uh, Martin Baker ejection seats. And they have like the striped little handle uh, that you find on the on the chair or seat. They have it on the, on the as kind of like the counterweight on the second hand of those models. I, I was really impressed. You know, they just released their own uh, take on an integrated steel sports watch. Um, it's still not really doing it for me, but it was cool to learn all about on a sub dial. Just, yeah, great, great uh, watch. And, you know, what was great there is, you know, everyone else for the whole day, we've been talking to either the boutique general managers or some of the staff. But at Bremont, there was uh, uh, Giles, you know, one of the, the two brothers that started the company, Giles English. And so it was great uh, getting to, to meet him and hear from him firsthand like you know where did the name Bremont come from which you know if you didn't know i'm sure they they tell it on their website but in short it was kind of the name of the the farm where the family had kind of landed in an airplane in france so who who knew um 
super uh, interesting if you ask me that that was very nice and they were very hospitable and they gave us a wonderful goodie bag with some posters and uh and again where i got that um, fantastic hat i definitely would love to add one of their watches to my collection at, at some point you know for this thursday after the hat red bar had an evening party and this was really going from 7 p.m to 9 p.m at breitling and for me I decided uh, after Bremont to go back to the hotel, change, put my feet up and rest for a, a couple minutes. And I'll tell you, the other thing is, because, you know, we're doing these watch walks um, and you're trying to think about what to wear. I brought two pairs of shoes, which I thought was pretty smart. I could shift in and out of the two. So your feet don't get too sore wearing one pair. So I brought a, a pair of like Alden um, jungle boots. And then I brought um, a pair of Cole Haan, uh, kind of like dressier but still kind of sneakerish um adjacent all black uh like wingtips and i was thinking you know the kohans should be pretty comfortable to, to wear all the time uh but really at the end of the day both shoes kind of failed me you know, i wore the kohans a ton uh for a lot of the events especially anytime i needed to dress up and on the i think it was friday yeah i ended up having to go out and buy a pair of new balance at the new balance store uh, just to give my feet a rest and get something like really, really comfortable. So that's the only thing I would, uh, another tip is really think through your shoe choices really well. And, you know, honestly, um, if you have to choose between style and comfort, choose comfort all day long. Because if you're like me, when you're in New York, yeah, I'm running the subway some, but I'm also walking a ton and your footwear is going to fail you really fast if you're if you're not careful and if you're not used to doing that much walking on city streets uh, maybe you know back home after my short rest we uh, went to the red bar evening party it was from 7 to 9 p.m i actually only stayed for an hour and it was at the big brightling boutique and this boutique is really something else two stories the whole thing is one big open space on a corner of a of a street tons of natural light and then you take this huge staircase upstairs in the back and they have this little like what i call like a catwalk uh to what they i think called the eagle's nest which was just like a lounge and bar which was pretty cool and they had like exposed brick walls just really nice and it's amazing that um boutique really also highlights how broad the Breitling collection really is today. Just how many different watches they offer. You know, they have gone so much further than just, you know, I remember back in the day, you kind of had your Titanium Avenger, what was it, Seawolf maybe? Or you had your, you know, what is it, the Skyland or some of the um, emergency ones and your uh, Cosmonaut and, uh, you know, Navitimer they just have so much so much more and they had just uh, released that new gmt with like the the bullet style bracelet um cool cool stuff of course i was only there for an hour why because i decided you know being the foodie that i am i really wanted to carve out some time get a, a really nice meal there and i was lucky enough to get a table for one uh at the chef's table at brooklyn fair in manhattan and that was such a great experience you know i love fine dining but i love it when it's not pretentious and it, you can enjoy it and i got there um, a little early for the reservation you know they do two seatings a night 
and it's great. You go in there and the, the chef's walking by and you can say hi. And there was maybe four of us that were solo diners that night. Everyone else was, you know, couples or maybe parties of four. And so they put us four singles in the middle of the counter, which, you know, most of the restaurant is just this huge wraparound counter. And then there's just a few tables in the back. Honestly, just like at um, other restaurants that have a mix of a big counter and tables, you want to do the counter if you can. You know, Momofuku Co. is um, is another good example of that. And they put us four singles uh, at the counter. We were all guys, all from out of town, and we all got to know each other and hit it off, which I thought was uh, so much fun. We had a wonderful time. I think most of them did wine pairings, uh, which was just too much. You know, it's like 13 courses. And so I, I did it. You know, my new kind of rule of thumb if i'm not really in the mood for wine pairings uh, with every dish is uh you know i'll start with a glass of you know champagne and then i'll usually i think this time i did have then a glass of white and then i had a half bottle of a red and then a dessert wine and that was honestly uh, perfect for me food was amazing i try not to clog my uh feed on instagram with too many uh, food and, and uh, watch photos but it, I definitely totally recommend it. You know, three Michelin stars for a reason. Even though if you look online, it kind of has mixed reviews. My experience was uh, just wonderful. After Brooklyn Fair, you know, I, I called it a night. That was enough. And I needed to get some sleep because, you know, Friday, you're right back at it again. In this case, it was in the morning. I had, I had signed up for the Watch 101 class at the Horological Society of New York. I'd recently become a member maybe the month prior. So I was like, oh, this will be perfect. And I can't recommend these classes enough. If you have one, and they do quite a few traveling kind of sessions of these classes, if you get the opportunity to take one, uh, totally recommend, especially if you're someone into watches, just understanding how to kind of take apart and put together a watch. And of course, it's kind of a crash course. You're doing it just for a couple hours, but you get just a greater appreciation of just how hard it is to build these things that we love so much. And just to understand a little bit more around the mechanics and engineering and physics around how all of them work. Um, and heck, I mean, there's a material science aspect to it as well. And with the oils, you know, if you over oil, uh, that can create just as many problems as you under oil with the increase in friction. So I uh, learned a ton. Our instructor was fantastic. There was only six of us in the class, which was awesome. We each had our own dedicated workspace. It was great. We were, all of us really bonded over, over that time. After that class, which ended around 1130, I headed to uh, finally the kickoff for um, the wind-up watch fair uh, at the Altman building uh, in kind of, uh, I guess you'd call it maybe Soho area. You know, on Friday was the kickoff for it. It was from 12 to 6. And that event, again, I'd never been to one. And you walk in and you're just like, it literally is almost like a worn and wound. If you notice, if you follow their website and read all their articles and get their emails, or, you know, listen to their podcast or watch their YouTube channel. Zach and all of them have done over there. It's just amazing. And it's just comes from such a place of love for watches. You know, not the big Swiss brands, but you're just seeing all these great uh, micro brands and, you know, just other kind of um, enthusiast-based brands. So you walk in and right to the right is Christopher Ward. And then you see Oak and Oscar. And then you see uh, Oris has a big display. And on the left, there's a huge display for G-Shock. And then you go around and it was just so cool putting so many uh, names to faces and just meeting people that I had 
talked to uh, for so long on the internet or followed on Instagram. Um, you know, uh, Wesley was there from Standard H um, selling some, some merch, but really also just having a bunch of stuff for people to try on so they understood and kind of knew their sizes and things. Um, his um, Target jacket that just sold out in uh, the two colorways, uh, a navy blue and a, a tan, are, are just so cool. What a, what a great look. And there's really nothing else out there like it, uh, in my opinion. I, I walked around, uh, j you know, it's hard because it's it's really almost overwhelming. Talked to Vertex, which was great, and talked to and tried on like Serica watches, which I'd never seen before, you know, French brand, and they were great. I uh, loved seeing uh, Baltic and trying on uh, their watches. I actually ended up buying a watch. I met Bradley at Autodromo, uh, the founder. Of course, I think they're just based in Brooklyn. Uh, great uh, meeting him, and I bought one of his uh, Michael Quartz uh, chronographs. And it was uh, all is uh, honoring this uh, Porsche driver. And the packaging for it is so first rate. I mean, it was just um, really, really nice. I mean, it's it would, I, that packaging that he had done and the booklet that came with it, it came with a signed signature card. I mean, that could go up against anything that the big brands uh, put out for like a limited edition. So that was a lot of fun. It was fun. Uh, walking out of there with um, uh, a new watch. And again, quartz, I guess maybe I want a quartz kick. I didn't even think about that with buying that watch. And then that last watch I bought is the Tissot. That's two quartz watches in a row. I might be, uh, that might be a record for me. I might be into something now. Hmm. Uh, and funny enough, you know, the next watch I can have my eye on is a G-Shock. So what does it all mean? I don't know. But that was a wind up, you know, they had a little bar downstairs so it was fun to go down there and get a drink and talk a little bit but the probably the biggest highlight for me was you know in the back left corner when you walk in was uh wind vintage and friday um eric winhead wasn't there yet he was going to be there for the weekend uh, but charlie dunn was there so it was just fantastic being able to meet charlie behind strictly vintage watches is his website and his instagram and of course he you know works for uh, eric at wind vintage and the amount of such cool vintage stuff they had brought um, was really great. You know, they had these big strap-on stopwatches for regattas uh, bag uh, by Hoyer. And that was really the coolest thing. He had a, a wonderful uh, little Memovox. Just a, a ton of really great curated uh, stuff. And of course, uh, again, I wrote um, an article for uh, Charlie's website. And so was and we had never met in in person before you know we we've been on a couple zoom calls and of course we've we've called each other and texted but uh you know being able to meet someone in person was is always great he took a wonderful um uh wrist uh pocket shot too of me while i was there uh and you know th this is probably a good stopping place to think of through what do you wear um uh, you know what do you bring when you're planning for this many different watch events. And I had in the planning for this really had thought long and hard, you know, and the easiest way to do it is you could just say, okay, well, what's kind of the, the right watch to have for watch time? What's kind of the right watch to have for wind up? And maybe what's the kind of right watch to have on for um, all the red bar stuff? You know, what would people at each of those events be really jazzed about seeing? And I, I thought about that and I actually, 
the longest time was going to bring, uh, yeah, my orange docks. I was just like, you know, I just don't think, um, I think it's just too heavy of a watch right now. I'm just feeling, I don't want to be bogged down too much. And so the, the three watches I ended up bringing was my Breguet, um, classic with the, you know, uh, enamel dial. And that's the one I wore pretty much Thursday. I wore it on all the watch walks, which was great. Um, I didn't wear it to dinner though that night, uh, which probably means I didn't wear it to the evening party either. I think, uh, cause I wore my, um, glass shoe to original. And then the, the second day when we had the watch 101 class and wind up, I decided that day to, to wear my tutor FXD. I was like, Oh, you know, if I'm going to be at wind up, that seems like a great wind-up watch. And then Friday um, at dinner, after wind-up, we had the uh, watch time cocktail party, and I, I, I wore again the, the Breguet. And then Saturday, uh, I wore the new watch I got from Autodromo. So I came to New York with three watches. Uh, again, I was thinking the Tudor FXD would be a fun everyday watch when I'm bumming around. I thought that'd be a perfect watch for a wind-up. Uh, for watch time and for the watch boutiques with red bars, like, ah, oh, wear the Breguet. And then, like, evening fun events, uh, like when I was at um, Breitling and the uh, red bar uh, kind of kickoff cocktail party, like, ah, oh, wear the uh, glass shoe So I'm glad I brought those three watches. You know, all things that don't scream fine watch when you just put them on. Uh, but if you know, you know, which is kind of cool. And, uh, you know, they can flex. Uh, really nice. I even brought a couple of different straps for the Tudor FXD because, you know, that's an easy one with the fixed uh, lugs to to change straps on, you know, just throw in a different NATO with it. So that's how I approached um, the watch game for a trip like that. You know, I guess I could have just brought one watch, but I don't know. I just thought uh, I needed a little bit more variety and it was kind of fun to, to kind of mix it up too. I didn't want to ever double wrist it though. That's just not my style. And I didn't want to have to wear all my, you know, watches on me. So all of them, you know, the ones I weren't wearing, they were just in the hotel safe the rest of the time. Uh, but of course, when flying, I, I always had them with me, uh, carry on. So after wind up, that's when I ended up having to run out and get a new pair of shoes at New Balance because my feet were just killing me that much. And then went home and had to dress up for the watch time cocktail party. And again, you know, this is one I had been to years ago. Uh, of course, it took a hiatus due to COVID. And I was just really curious, like, what is this thing going to, to be like this year? And it's just grown and grown and grown is really what I can tell you. Great event. Um, you know, you have to be a little careful. It's open bar. So, you know, you got to navigate that appropriately and safely. And then upstairs, you know, they, it's this huge like exhibition hall in this just big, almost like rotunda is the way to think about it. But then you could go upstairs and there was one brand upstairs, which was Ah Lunga and Zona. And so it was great seeing their watches. I got to try on an Odysseus for the first time, which for me is a really big deal. I hadn't tried one on before. What a great watch. You know, they had the the new, oh, what is it? Datagraph. It was great to see that, you know, and try on like a Lunga one and just you know, some of the, uh, what is it, 1815 up down stuff. Just killer watches and they also had a little their own almost like little bar up upstairs downstairs in the middle was a big bar too and then you had all these brands coming in this inner circle which was like glashuta original and blanc pond and Breguet. and then on the peripheral you had a bunch of other maybe a smaller booths 
and the brands were, I mean, it was just like all your favorite brands in one place. MBNF was there. Armin Strom, Parmigiani was there. <laughs> Carl Vutalinen was there. Uh, funny enough, we're uh, checking in at registration at watch time when we first uh, get there. And the person in front of us just looks, to me, like looked incredibly casual, like blue jeans and boots and like a leather jacket. I was like, uh, a crazy hat, I think. I'm like, who is this person? I mean, it, it looked put together, though. I mean, from a menswear standpoint, totally put together. But like everyone else is wearing like, you know, sport coat or suit. It turns out it was a Vianney halter. So I thought that was um, pretty awesome. And for someone like him, makes perfect sense. I think he makes some of the um, the most avant-garde watches is maybe the only way to, to, to say it. I'm trying to think, you know, walking around to, um, yeah, there was just a great uh, Bell & Ross was there. Um, it was great seeing RGM watches and Roland Murphy was there. I had been wanting to see this enamel dial watch they did with chess pieces for the uh, hour markers that alternate in uh, red and black. <laughs> Looks so good. It was great uh, trying that on. Still another watch I'm still uh, constantly uh, thinking about it a little bit. Uh, I'd probably be a little too redundant with my Breguet, but I still think about it. Uh, that, that was a killer watch as well. I think they're only making like 16 of that. Um, so it's cool that they still have, um, I think, a couple left if anyone's really interested. I think the price, though, on it is 16000 So not an impulse purchase uh, at all. Looking through all the, the different brands, the ones that stood out for me when you know I left, I was like, man, that was such a great watch. Uh, was uh, first was actually Parmigiani. You know the the Tonda that they have redesigned just looks so good. Like the the really fine guilloché for the dial. I love that the bezel is platinum on them. It you know the hands just look sharp, and they just have that new smaller oval logo. It just everything just looks cleaned up. And of course, micro rotor movement. I got to try their new kind of like dual, what would you call it? Dual time zone model where it has a hand that shows the, the other uh, location, but then you can just push a button and it just hides back behind the hour hand. Cause they both move at, um, you know, 12 hour intervals. I thought that was super cool. <laughs> not, not cheap watches either, but, but really great. And that's probably the theme you could say for everything at watch time is like wonderful watches, but not cheap, not a lot of, um, uh, budget-friendly stuff there but you know the world of watches is so broad like even if that's not where you'll ever be from a financial standpoint or a collector standpoint you can't help but appreciate the engineering and the design and the artistry that a lot of these brands are bringing to um, to the table you know when you see Armin Strom and you just see some of the different movements in their dials just everything about their watches um, is so cool. And they they have a resonance as well, done very differently than how F.P. Jordan does theirs. Uh, but, you know, that uh, looked fantastic. A lot of fun. Could not have been nicer. You know, the other, uh, Moritz Grossman and their CEO was there. It was great seeing their watches. And those are really ones that you have to see in person to appreciate because the design and the aesthetics is pretty um, subtle and minimal. But, you know, when you turn them over and you see all the handwork and finishing that goes into them you can't help but um appreciate it and then uh, of course uh, grubel forcey was there and uh was it fernand berthard you know some of those like really really high-end mechanical timepieces uh just like mbnf 
you know, those are probably the, the three I kind of put on a, a pedestal just for, you know, the most complicated movements top to bottom, really across their whole product catalog. So that was a, a really, really uh, a fun night. I had, you know, Saturday, I had every plan to then go back. You know, I had bought Saturday and Sunday tickets to watch time. I knew that windup was going from 12 to 6. And then I had been uh, invited to a wind down party that night at the wind up fair um, from 630 to 8. So I was like, okay, you know, it's Saturday. I've already had all day Thursday, all day Friday, some of Wednesday night into watches. You know, this is, this is watch week. This is what we do. And I was burnt out uh, Saturday and said, you know, I pivoted my schedule. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to go to watch time to any of the panels. I I already saw all the brands Friday night. I think I'm good. And wind up, I was like, man, I really would like to see some of those guys. I'll be there later in the evening. So I instead uh, took the subway and went to the uh, Natural History Museum. Uh, I hadn't been there in years since probably I was just a little kid. Love seeing all the fossils and the dinosaurs. And of course, I'm getting in more into rocks and minerals. So I had to go see their rock and mineral halls and just see all their dioramas and everything they have. Um, you know, it's kind of an institution at this point. Of course, uh, Teddy Roosevelt on horseback is no longer in the lobby that, that got moved. I think that's in the basement somewhere. I, hopefully it's still on display though. I spent most of my morning, pretty much all of my morning at that museum, just walking around, sitting, taking it all in. Uh, and then behind it was a Shake Shack. So I hit that for lunch. And then at that point, I decided to twerk my way um, down. I'd gone a ping from uh, co-leaders of our Red Bar chapter, uh, Charlie, saying, hey, you know, I'm going to be going to the Tudor Boutique if you want to you know, meet me there in the meatpacking district. And I was like, oh, sure. I've heard about it. Never been. That sounds like a lot of fun. So met him uh, there. Yeah, and then we had a drink afterwards. <laughs> the place we had the drink at, it was called the Garrett. <laughs> I'm sure if someone's a New Yorker listening, they're like, oh, yeah, we know all this, Troy, whatever. This is not interesting. Uh, but for someone out of town, this was pretty wild that this bar, again, kind of a very speakeasy sort of feel. Um, and this was, I should say, also our second choice. You know, our, our first choice was I really wanted to go to this um, bar called K Katana Kitty just because it had this cool, like, weird Blade Runner meets... I don't know, Hello Kitty meets uh, Ninja 3, <laughs> the domination, you know, uh, this huge hodgepodge of stuff. But uh, while we were walking there, we see all of these fire trucks and it looks like the building's on fire. Everyone was fine. Um, but we're like, okay, or the building next to them, one of the two. And so we're like, okay, that's out. And so, because yeah, it was a very active um, scene. So we went to this place called the Garrett and to get to it, you literally walk into a Five Guys and then you like, you know, pass people eating hamburgers. And there's a little bouncer at the staircase. You show them your ID and then you walk up and then there's this, this packed bar upstairs. So that was uh, a lot of fun. After that, then I did go back to wind up for uh, the wind down with collective. Uh, and if those who aren't familiar, you know, collective is this group out of, um, I think the Bay area. I don't think they're LA. I think that's uh, San Francisco Bay area. Uh, but you know, group of, and I agree. Feel free to, everyone can correct me if I'm wrong. We'll just say California. How's that? That kind of um, hedges our bet. So California-based uh, watch group, and they kind of do a bunch of high and low uh, unique watch releases unique to them. You know, they've done everything from um, a really pretty white dial, no date, Zenith, El Primero, to uh, watches with Moser. 
and they've done, you know, again, kind of everything in between. So they hosted a little fun, like, um, after party, uh, downstairs at wind up and there, it was great. I ran into, um, Noah, you know, from Charlotte, quite the influencer and then, and social media presence and, and, uh, ran into Tony Traina, uh, who's now with Houdinki, you know, from Rescapement. And it was great seeing Ed Jelly from, uh, Worn and Wound, you know, one of their great photographers and, and, and writers for them. So it's just, just a lot, a lot of fun, you know, and they had some get drinks and things. And then, uh, from there it was, uh, time to eat. And so I had made a, a quick reservation and Charlie and I, um, went to this, uh, great, uh, sushi place. I can't remember the name to save my life. I don't know if I would call it omakase though, but it was, um, it was very good, very sparse, dimly lit, <laughs> minimal, uh, you couldn't, you know, I kept thinking, it's like, man, if Donald Judd created a sushi restaurant, this would probably be it. <laughs> but the food was good. And then, you know, I had, you know, we'd gotten invited to a party, um, hosted by Oris and it was at this crazy bar called the trailer park bar and just had this very kitschy 1960s vibe. And that was a lot of fun. It was great again, seeing, um, you know, the North American, president and CEO and then the, the global CEO of Oris, uh, you know, VJ and Rolf. And it was there where we met some other uh, really fun people. I met uh, Brandon and a few others from the Watch Cringe crew. That, um, shout out to them. They have a, a really wonderful podcast. I couldn't create a watch-based podcast more different than mine, I will say. Uh, theirs is incredibly high energy and it's just loads of fun. Definitely check them out, whereas I totally get mine is much more... Um, that's unfortunately I'm nowhere near uh, Dan Carlin's level, but you know, that, that party was a lot of fun. And that, and again, that was kind of a late night. And then, you know, really that's where the, for me, like the watch stuff ended, you know, even though Sunday watch time was going on from 11 to four uh, wind up uh, on Sundays was going on from 12 to five. You know, I had a, a 4:40 PM flight out of LaGuardia. So not a whole lot of time great thing was I did have brunch with Olivia Briggs, you know, our first guest on this podcast. So that was wonderful. It was fun talking Grand Seiko uh, with her. Right after that, I had to speed off uptown to the Guggenheim because, you know, I love when the universe kind of aligns. And in this case, one of my favorite artists is Alex Katz. As I say that, I look up above my monitor. I have one of his prints hanging on my wall uh, by him. And he finally had a, a full retrospective um, at the Guggenheim, you know, the whole rotunda was just of his works of art, mostly paintings, but you know, he also does quite sculptures, which are really like very two dimensional, but painted uh, metal, you know, they, um, he's been doing this for a lot longer than I thought. And that was just a, such a fun exhibit. It just uh, gave me warm feels all over, you know, another pro tip I would share is, you know, with any museum exhibition you go to nowadays, all of them have free apps where you can listen along as you hear someone talk about the work, you know, so bring a pair of headphones, you know, I brought my little beats, uh, Bluetooth headphones, I stuck them in, you know, I pulled up the, the app you could push a couple buttons on the app and hear the curator, or the person who the artwork was about the subject matter person, you know, the subject of the work, uh, have them in their own voice kind of and own words kind of talk about it. And you could just get so much more than just reading a little really made the experience at the Alex Katz exhibit, you know, that much um, richer. And then from there, you know, ran back to the hotel packed up and 
and uh, and left and uh, and took a flight home. You know, things I would have done differently. You know, do I have any uh, regrets of things I didn't get to? You know, I really wanted to go to Cellini. I think that would have been a lot of fun. You know, that's one of those top retailers. I really would have loved to have visited watches of Switzerland and Soho. I know that location's um, amazing as well. Oh, and, and uh, speaking of Grand Seiko, I did visit the Grand Seiko Boutique, uh, a couple of us on our own after that lunch. I failed to mention that on uh, Thursday. It's a very small boutique. To me, the, the the weekend was still great. I had, Also, there was a few shopping boutiques I wanted to go to since I was staying in Midtown, but again, just, just ran out of time. So, you know, if I could have done it over, maybe I would have booked and not flown back till Monday, just so it would give me maybe an extra day um, to see a few things. I'd also really hope to, to meet Henry from the Classic Watch Club, uh, which is part of the, uh, what is it, the uh, Classic Car Club of Manhattan, uh, kind of an offshoot of that, but unfortunately didn't get a chance to connect with him either. Again, didn't get a chance to connect with Eric Wind. Uh, would have loved to have just spent more time with everyone. Uh, you know, that's the biggest problem is you're just running, running, running the whole time. Oh, and I didn't share about the uh, Tudor Boutique in the Meatpacking District, but it's really a wonderful space. And it's actually connected in the back to a big Rolex Boutique. So if you're really into, you know, obviously Tudor's the sister brand of, of Rolex. And so if you're really into either one of those, you know, check out the other as well. And the, the staff couldn't have been nicer at the Tudor Boutique, just a, a beautiful place. You know, I, I say that about everyone who works in these watch boutiques. I'm, it's, I'm just like it must be nice coming here every day for work because uh, they're just such curated spaces um, and the materials and the finishes on everything are just at the highest level. It just further reinforces uh, these uh, these folks that are in uh, sales and service of um, these uh, big uh, Swiss watch brands. It's a pretty good gig, I'd like to think. You know, going back to uh, regrets or things I do differently and then maybe also sprinkling in some more pro tips, Again, you know, you can't um, overthink or overprepare from a footwear standpoint. Uh, and again, also, I would say when I'm in New York, I never wear open-toed shoes. I think that's always a mistake, especially if you're going to be someone where you know you're going to be using the subway at all because you're your feet and will just get so dirty so quickly um, along with your shoes. So, uh, you know, my rule of thumb, even in summertime, is don't wear uh, flip-flops or, or sandals, uh, you know, unless you really want to bring a, a change of, of shoes. But if you're going to be running the subway or running around in streets, just don't, you know, they just also, most of them just don't have enough support. Maybe you could get away with wearing a pair of Bostons from uh, Birkenstock since they're kind of a closed toe, you know, almost like a clog design. But anything um, more revealing than that, I'd say uh, pass on. And then, you know, I think I did a pretty good job of being realistic about what I could really squeeze in. And, you know, it was a bummer. I ended up not doing any of the watch time stuff Saturday, Sunday, even though I had bought tickets. So, but I looked at it as an insurance policy if I wanted to. Um, but what I also realized is it was a lot of watch content, you know, um, thinking that it really could have been four and a half days of watches nonstop. I just realized I had my fill. And also, you know, me actually being an introvert, like being in these large social gatherings and situations, like it's draining. That's not what recharges me. That's what drains me. And so, uh, you know, that's the real difference between an introvert and an extrovert. I couldn't tell you how happy I was Saturday morning spending, you know, a few hours at a museum by myself 
and then ditto Sunday at the Guggenheim. Um, those were some of my most favorite moments. We can just kind of pause and reflect and just, uh, you know, be lost in your own thoughts a little bit. Uh, I really did uh, in, enjoy that. And then, you know, the other regret is because you are running around so much, you just, you never got really a great opportunity just to sit down and talk one-on-one -on -one with, with anyone, you know, outside of Charlie, who, um, you know, the two of us shared a room so we could kind of catch up one-on-one -on -one in the mornings or in the evenings. But outside of that, there was just no, no time to. So I think I would have added an extra day if I could just to do a little bit of shopping and kind of, you know, wandering around a little bit more. Cause I think New York's just such a great city for that step, a single foot into central park or in the high line, which always seems like a travesty to me. And then the, the bigger picture, the only other thing that irked me, and this was out of my control, but you know, Grand Seiko had already announced they were planning a big uh, New York city event in Brooklyn. Uh, for their GS9 club, which is the club of um, Grand Seiko collectors. And I'm, I'm part of that. And I was just like, oh, I would love to do that. I'm like, why could they not have scheduled that for like Monday or Wednesday uh, morning of all this New York watch time stuff? Because then I think they would just have even more people come out for it, like myself. It was just asking too much that, hey, I'd already spent nearly a week in New York City. And then the idea of coming back you know, three or four weeks later for another event in New York. It was just, I think it's just too much, asking too much of people who live, um, you know, not nearby, who don't live in New York. I would love for them to kind of get aligned in the future. You know, the downside too is that this trifecta, though, it may not happen again for a little while. And the reason I say that is, you know, the third prong, the Red Bar Global, that kind of kicked things off and very much by design ended as the other two events kind of spun up was uh you know it rotates locations and so i think next year might be in london you know where um, i think they were planning to do it before or even have done it before and so maybe there will be a london watch week um, how cool would that be if watch time or um you know wind up there's a london version that would be pretty sweet you know looking at the calendar for next year though there is still a lot of great opportunities if you are thinking, wow, Troy, this sounded so cool, and I would love to do something like this in the near future. What should I be on the lookout for? Well, you know, Wind Up Watch Fair actually happens in three different cities. So New York was the last one for this year, but they traditionally have one in San Francisco and then Chicago. So I'm already thinking, wow, it'd be great if I could go to one of the Wind Ups in one of those two other cities and eventually get the hat trick and, and visit all three. Think about... Watch Time also does one, I think, in L.A., and they I don't know if they do one in Chicago or not. That's a really great event, too, especially if you're into more high-end. Um, and obviously, that group also leans predominantly Swiss, regardless of what your actual um, budget allows. If you love watches, you love watches. And, you know, ideally, you should love a watch if it's a Timex or Casio or G-Shock, if it has great design or is cool. Accessibility or a low price point shouldn't be a turnoff right if anything those should be turn-ons uh and then but you on the conversely you should be able to also appreciate things that either the, the really wild watch brands like mbnf are doing or grubel 4c and you know everything in between again cannot recommend enough having and encouraging people to go out and you're and you're going to be able to meet and connect with the broader watch community and while sometimes i think it's a really big community other times, I also realize it's a very small community, and all of us kind of have varying levels of uh, participation. 
and you know, I ultimately I left uh, that New York Watch Week just so energized about our chapter or club and the events we're going to be doing there. And we had created a lot of great connections, you know, being able to try on so many different watches. You know, I'd already talked about Serica. I always thought those watches would be too small and then trying them on, they fit great. So that was a really fun surprise. And then just meeting some of the people who are really at the forefront of their brands. You know, when you meet some of these boutique managers, you know, whether it's um, Breguet or Blancpain or, you know, JLC or Vacheron, those, you know, people really personify the brand, but are also that, that first face and smile you see when you walk into the store, you know, they really are, it's almost like customer service, right? That you really become the face of the brand. Uh, it's not so much the marketing, it's the people you interact with either during sales or service. Uh, during that customer journey. Uh, all of them were just consummate professionals, but also incredibly warm and um, inviting. That's the other thing I would recommend is, you know, from my experience, now it helped having a, you know, Hamilton as our tour guide to kind of open the doors to these places, but all of them would let you in if you just walk by and, you know, tap on the glass stone to get over the fact that there'll probably be some sort of security there eyeing you up and down a little bit. But, you know, what you'll be able to see and spend time with there is just just wonderful so i definitely encourage uh, next time you're in a big city where they have dedicated watch boutiques whether that's you know chicago miami of course new york is is huge in that you know any of the big cities london paris they all have just rows and rows and rows of uh, watch boutiques and i know they can be intimidating everyone in there is wearing a suit which is kind of a pet peeve of mine but once you go in there and you realize 99 percent of the staff loves watches too right otherwise why would they be there and if you love watches then just think you're already going to have something in common. You know, they would probably love to show you some things and make you become an enthusiast of the brand. Even if it's not something you can afford today, uh, there's always tomorrow. You know, again, I think of some of my most favorite memories from this trip and previous trips is also um, going in the boutique and sometimes getting swag or just even getting a cup of coffee or a little bottle of water because I've been out walking all day and just wanted to sit and, and look at some watches and talk watches and just see what's new. See that that next great release. They're usually more than than happy to oblige. Can't uh, can't recommend it. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. You probably realized too the grump sounds a little bit more animated than normal. Uh, one because this is a topic I just. Um, really enjoyed and wanted to share with everyone who wanted to understand what watch time week was all about but also this is actually the first episode i'm recording during the day since i've taken the week off of thanksgiving um, normally i record late at night uh, so it's kind of weird to be recording and there's still sunlight outside uh, reminder the show notes are online at thegrumpycollector.com if you know a fellow incurable collector that you think i should interview drop me a line at my instagram page at the grumpy collector I'm always on the lookout for collectors of all things with that common thread of watches. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. We have a lot of travel lined up here over the next month. I might even try to record an episode while abroad, so stay tuned. Maybe that's a spoiler alert, don't know. Um, until next time, keep collecting, and I'll see you on Instagram. And for uh, the Americans listening, I hope all of you have a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday. Bye-bye.